you want victory, you can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder of Weirs Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. Folks, this evening we are blessed to be joined by Scott Hamilton, the famous skater. His story is so remarkable, we're actually sharing it in two parts, tonight and tomorrow night. Let's dive in. Folks, this evening my guest is Scott Hamilton. This is my first time I've had the privilege of having him on the broadcast, but I am so grateful that he accepted our invitation to talk with us about the amazing journey that God has had him on through his life. Scott is the most famous figure skating star. There's nobody um, who really is... is uh, a close second, in my opinion. Oh, he is thank you. He is not just famous as a skater. He's famous as an athlete, famous as a champion. He has won 70 titles, uh, including an Emmy nomination, which is not exactly an athletic thing, but it's a recognition that beyond athletics, people take notice of this man. He's an extraordinary fellow. And none of that would cause me to just say, we've got to get him on our show. The reason that I wanted to talk with him is because of his faith in our Lord Jesus. And uh, so when we asked if he'd come on Abiding in Christ, and he said yes, I was absolutely delighted. Scott, welcome to the broadcast. Oh, that's such a nice introduction. Thank you so much. Um, but you know, I just, the older I get, the more I realize that it wasn't me. <laughs> I give all the glory and all the, um, all of that was fueled by our Lord and our savior, Jesus. And, and honestly, you know, we're all put here for a purpose. And if we can yeah. tap into that purpose, you know, it could be, um, blessed beyond our wild, wildest dreams. And so yes. I never even would have thought to dream of the things that happened uh, to me, with me, for me, about me. But if you work towards things and you work with things, um, whatever you've got, just leverage it as best you can. Um, and understand that it's not always you doing things, then you're probably going to be okay. (laughs) Well, the Bible says that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are the called according to his purpose. It does not say all things work together for the good, period. Yeah. It says all things work together for the good of well, those who I, love God. And now God. Even, yes, and that's the word. I'm not going to touch it. I'm just saying that, you know, there are those times where, you know, the Lord refines us, you know, where yes. we have to go through you know, periods of suffering, periods of challenge, periods of great fear, fear, you know, those periods that allow us to, you know, rise up and, and really become, uh, you know, the, the greatest versions of ourselves, right? So there's all of that. Without any of that, it's not a walk in the park. In fact, no. you know, Jesus warns us on countless occasions that if, if you come out, and, for me, 
you will be hated. <laughs> and Amen. It's like, well, I'm not, you know, it's like, I'm not, I don't want to be hated, you know, and I, I try to love people where they are. And, and, yeah. you know, I, I just lead with that. And I was, I was told a long time ago, if you really want to change the world forever and for the better, just love the person standing in front of you. Yes. My dad said to me when I was a teenager, son, I've noticed you seem to love everyone except anybody you have to deal with up close. <laughs> <laughs> and that was a very convicting word because, of course, he was right. Yeah. But one of the things I want folks to understand is for all of your accomplishments that you now look back and see this was God at work. 100%. God was the one who gave me the abilities. God is the one who gave me the hardships. Some of the hardships contributed to my success, but I didn't know that at the time. Sometimes we ask people, so tell us about how you came to know the Lord. And their answer begins, well, I've always been a Christian. And I think, oh, no, um, no. that's not the case with you. You've been no. honest in other things where I've seen that you wrote uh, about the fact that you didn't always trust the Lord, didn't always know that he was the one who had gifted you so and was working in your life. Share with us a bit of that journey, if you would. Well, you know, when I was adopted, you know, it was miraculous um, in its own right. And when I was little, I think, I, you know, my, my parents really wanted to create a, uh, a structured, you know, kind of community relationship. And we go to church and I go to Sunday school and I'd hear all the stories. I just didn't understand what any of those stories had to do with me. Yeah. And then, you know, I, I, I start skating and then, you know, it kind of like skating would ha happen on a Sunday. So our, you know, our, our times in church were less, less often or less, you know, predictable. Mm -hmm. And then I, uh, at age 13, I went away uh, to Illinois to skate there. And that's where things really took on a different identity. I was blessed to be able to skate with a woman named Janet Lynn who mm -hmm. was um, at that time, probably the most popular woman athlete in the world. Mm -hmm. And it was her last competitive season. Um, and I arrived in Illinois to train there and um, everybody's going to church. Everybody wants to be like Janet, who was a devout Christian and very much, you know, very evangelistic in the way she approached everything. Her whole life was to um, spread and share the, the glory of, of Christ, you know, with everywhere mm -hmm. she went. And, you know, she wrote a book called Peace and Love about her faith journey, all those things. And everybody wanted to be like Janet. And I, I just saw everybody, you know, walking around with their Bibles. They all kind of went to the same church and they all did those things. And so I, you know, we, the rink where we skated was part of a resort. So we were given the kind of these basement rooms and, and the hotel part of the mm -hmm. resort. It's an old rustic place that probably should have been condemned 20 years before I got there. But, you know, <laughs> it was, that's the way it was. And so, you know, there were, there were Gideon's Bibles in all of the, you know, bedside tables. And so sure. I, you know, I just figure it out because I always believed there was always something greater than us. I always believed that. I always, it was just sort of like ingrained in, into kind of who I am. I always believed in God. I just mm -hmm. didn't understand Jesus, you mm -hmm. know, and I didn't, and, I, and then, you know, I'm, I'm now I'm adolescent, right. And I'm trying to figure out, well, this person says that, and that person says that, and that, that, you know, that um, denomination says this, and that one says that, and then, you know, all the adolescent things kick in. It's like, well, who's right, and who's mm -hmm. wrong, and blah, blah, blah. So, it kind of kept me, kept me out of the church for a while, even though I was prayerful, even though I was really seeking a relationship. It was kind of done 
away from the church community or, you know, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't church based. I didn't really have a, a mentor who was a pastor or anything like that. I just stepped forward in faith and I kind of believed, but I didn't know really what the structure or as, you know, an athlete would say what the rules of the game were, right? Yeah. But, you know, anytime anything would happen, I would just, I would pray like, what, what, why this? Why the meaning? What, what does this mean? Why, why is this happening? And I remember specifically, um, it was one year, I was much older now. Um, and I'd always pray like, why do I, why am I so, un, uh, why am I so blessed yet I'm so unhappy? Yeah. Why am I, I've given everything that I, beyond anything I've ever dreamed of, but in my spirit, I was troubled all the time. Yes. And why, why is that the case? And so, um, so there was, we were at Stars and Ice rehearsals and I'm skating around the ice with Sergey Grinkoff and I'm, I'm, you know, just, we're talking about his daughter arriving that day. And he was like broken, you know, English. And I was like, you know, non-existent Russian. And we just, <laughs> just had a fun time kind of interacting that way. Yeah. And uh, it's Dasha Day because his daughter's name was Daria and they called her Dasha. So that was Dasha Day. And she was coming that day. And we're also excited to see Dasha because she was like our daughter. Well, not just his. She belonged to all of us, right? Yeah. And we're laughing and talking. And then he said, okay, I got to go next door to work on some choreography. And I said, all right, man, see you a bit. And that would be the last time I ever spoke with him because during that warm-up of that um, session of learning choreography, he got dizzy and collapsed and he was laying on the ice and everybody said, Sergey's down, Sergey's down. And they all went to the other rink and I'm on the, the main surface in Lake Placid where the hockey team beat the Russians and all that. But there's a training rink right behind that. And I peeked my head in and I saw all I could see was um, the, from his knees down and his skates pointing straight up. He was on his back and I ran into a locker room and I just didn't know what to do. And I just prayed. I said, why? why mm-hmm. why is this app please lord don't do this just don't don't just bring him back to us just there's nothing good can come of this nothing this is this is not good this is this is and it's just that unpredictable of life you know that yeah. it was just it knocked me down and i just remember just looking up and just saying please lord just don't do this and so that day we lost sergey he died at 28 years old of a massive heart attack mm-hmm. and it was just like I, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't figure out what it was all about, but it definitely got my attention. And, and I just, I just started to question everything in my life. Mm-hmm. And then um, the next year, um, I, you know, I, I got through rehearsals and, and it was, you know, we're looking after Katya, his wife, and Daria was around a lot. And we're just trying to, you know, she's now a single skater, not no longer a pair skater, the best pair skater in the history of pair skating. And, now she doesn't have a partner and she's skating on her own and that's all she wanted to do and be with us. Mm-hmm. And I remember just not feeling well, just feeling off, you know, in my, my physicality, I pain in my abdomen and, and just my, my spirit, I was troubled all the time. It was just my, it felt like my whole world was just, it was just combat. Like it was always kind of like, there was always abrasion. There was always, um, you know, just this, just dysfunction in my life. And I, and I kind of realized in, in that, that the, the direction of my life had really gone in the, you know, I just wasn't living the way I should be living. Mm-hmm. And so um, that just sort of stayed with me. And so 
50 cities into a 60 city tour of dealing with this pain, the pain just accelerated and got worse and worse and worse. I finally went into a emergency room uh, just to get, you know, I thought I had an ulcer, just worked myself into an ulcer. This is my 15th professional season now. Like I thought if I skated two or four years, I was fooling a lot of people. Now I'm 15 years in 13 with stars and ice mm-hmm. and I just couldn't stand up straight anymore. So the doctor in the emergency room was great. He just said, you know, we found a mass and I just said, Oh wow, that's, that's interesting. And he goes, what's so funny. I go, well, I'm, you know, I'm like little and the word mass has never been used in description of me before. And he goes, well, you know, I mean, you know, you need to take this thing seriously. And it's like, why? And he goes, because it's, you know, we don't know exactly what it is, but it's either benign, malignant, or something else. Yeah. So you need to, if it were me, I'd take care of it right away. And I realized in that moment that I was two months shy of the 20th anniversary of losing my mom to cancer, and I'm being diagnosed with cancer. Mm-hmm. And I just, I mean, the fear was unbelievable. And it just, it was unbelievable. And then it, it was really weird. There was like this awakening at this in my spirit, in my being, I was like, it's awakening. I said, uh, 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 no, no, no. All that fear was instantly replaced with a sense of power, mm-hmm. courage, mission, uh, clarity of mm-hmm. what was next. And it was like, I decide, I decide how I'm going to respond to this challenge. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't care if it's cancer, I'm going to be back on tour next year period, done. That's my swing thought, not even knowing what I was up against. So right. I went to Cleveland. I got a, uh, I, I met my, my manager, Bob Kane, who was like, you know, like a brother to me and just the best guy and always was there in a crisis. And he set up all, everything. You know, I was in Peoria the night before I was, I took right as soon as the show was over, I, I jumped in my bus and I went to Cleveland and they did a biopsy and all this is part of the, my faith journey because it totally forced me to kind of step away. Mm-hmm. Why did I survive after four months of chemo and a 38 staple surgery? Why did I survive? And my mom did. She was the center of my universe. Mm-hmm. So I decided that um, I, I just knew that I, I just needed to step away from what I was, how I was living and, and where I was living. And I just needed to, I needed a little bit of a, a wilderness sort of period. Yes. And I, I went to the one place where I knew I could be alone, isolated, neglected, mm-hmm. ignored, Los Angeles, California. <laughs> I just said, I started driving. I lived in Denver and I go, I've never been to New Mexico before. I'm going to look at that. And then I realized, oh, I could just turn right. And a friend of mine runs a little golf resort in Tucson. I could hang out there for a while until I figure things out. Yeah. I wrecked my car on the way in there and basically I was fine. I didn't get hurt or anything, but so I had to replace the car and they said, well, we found a replacement for your car and we're going to have it shipped in. I go, where is it? They said, it's in Los Angeles. And I go, how much is that going to cost? They said, well, if we flatbed it over, it's like a thousand dollars. And it's like, uh, I don't want to pay a thousand dollars because how much is a plane ticket on Southwest? And they go 50 bucks. And I go, I'll do that. (laughs) so i ended up you know going to la picking up the car and then friends there said you can stay with us and then i found an apartment um stayed there for a while and then i found a community that um you know was kind of north and kind of away it's on a lake and Mm -hmm. kind of did that you know for a little while and so 
for kind of the three years, you know, I was like, I don't, there's something about my life that isn't ready to step into a relationship with a woman because I'm just so wackadoodle. You know, it's just, mm-hmm. I just feel like I still, I, I need this time to kind of figure out who I am and what's next. And so here's the crazy thing. I was diagnosed with cancer on March 16th, 1997. March 16th, 2000, um, I'm doing a show in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, Tony Thomas, Danny Thomas's son was there because we, SARS and I fundraised for Target House at St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Yeah. And he had some guests, air quotes, guests coming to the yes. show that night. And I'm thinking, Tony's dating. Ooh, I'm going to check it out. I want to check out, you know, the girl he's dating. And so I, um, we did the show on backstage. Tony's with his um, St. Jude families. And there was a girl standing by the production office. I was Tony's guest. And so I went up and talked to her, probably 10 minutes. And something jumped in my heart. Something just jumped that said, if you can meet somebody like that, <laughs> you're ready to get off the bench, right? And so it's like, it was the weirdest feeling. And I go, okay, I think, I think I'm... I'm supposed to like, like open myself up, open my heart to someone, something, mm-hmm. and, and, and just be open to whatever's next. And so I, yeah, I finished the tour. I did all my stuff. And then I got back to Los Angeles and I'm playing golf with Tony and he's talking on the phone. He's being all like sweet and lovey dovey hangs up. And I go, is that the girl from Memphis? And he said, Tracy, I go, I don't remember her name. I just remembered that I thought she was, amazing and i is that was like she was and he goes oh no, no no that wasn't a date no 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 and he started getting really defensive no that wasn't a date at all like you know tracy and i've been friends for years and i just thought she'd enjoy the show so i invited her and that you know she's more like a little sister than like oh no there's no romantic stuff going on there and it's yeah. like oh well that, oh, i just thought she was amazing and he goes it's funny you should ask about her i think she's moving to la this week <laughs> really so then I go, I mean, we've been, I go, can I get her number? And he said, yes. And so I go, so this is all part of my faith journey. So we, um, we, I, I go to a barbecue and I, as a caddy at the golf club where I played and he's just a nut. I just love him. And he's just really, you know, funny. And he goes, Hey man, how you doing? I go, good, Jimmy. How are you? And he goes, Hey, my cousin was supposed to come tonight and made other plans. And I go, who's your cousin? And he goes, Tracy, you met her in Memphis. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. She's your cousin? He goes, yeah, our mothers are sisters. And it's just, I asked Tony Thomas for a number just like yesterday. And he goes, got it right here. <laughs> so <laughs> we called and left a dumb message. And I had to, I was going to Hawaii for Christy Yamaguchi's wedding. And I had some things I was running around doing. So we finally settled on a date where we could get together. She called back and, and it was like almost three weeks later. And, uh, you know, it was, she, had, she was working and she got off work at like nine. And so it was a later dinner. And, and we sat and we talked for hours and we've been together ever since. But it was in that dating process that a really wonderful thing happened. She said, I really like us and I don't really want, I don't want to date anyone else. I don't really, want, I'm really, really wanting to, to dedicate, you know, this my relationship to you and and I, I feel the same way and she goes there's just one thing I have to know and I go anything you ask me anything and she said where are you in your relationship with Jesus Christ 
And I just like, I thought, oh no, I, it's almost like I, you know, I'm, I'm at a, being called to take a test, you know, yeah. and it was like, <laughs> I don't want to flunk the test. And yeah. I go, okay, where do you want me to be? <laughs> <laughs> and she just, she just laughed. She goes, no, I'm serious. Where, where are you in your faith? And I go, I believe I just, I just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to do this. I, 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 I don't know who's right. You know, is this mm -hmm. denomination right or is that denomination right? Because they don't get along and they argue over stuff. And is, is this denomination better than that denomination? Or do I go to this denomination? It's all the, the stuff that divides the kingdom, right? In yes. my, my opinion. I go, who's right? And she goes, oh, this is kind of above my pay grade a little bit. Would you mind meeting with my pastor? And it's like, yeah, bring it. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Because I was like, I was now on fire to kind of like, because I, I loved her and I wanted yes. to honor her and I didn't feel like it was an accident at all. None of it. The mm -hmm. fact that I met her three years on the day I was diagnosed with cancer and my spirit was disrupted and I had to like leave the life I was living. Yes. And so I met with her pastor and you know, the funny thing is, is he was like six, six, he's like super tall and I'm like five, four. Right. So I really <laughs> looked up to him. Right. And he goes, so what's going on with you? We had dinner at their house. And I said, well, here's where I, here's my issues. I go, I really, I believe in God. I, I'm really confused about Jesus. I don't really understand that. And I know I'm really late in the game and I, this should have been happening since I was a child, but I'm coming now to, to understand what's going on with all these denominations and why, and why can't they get along? And why, why is it just so dysfunctional? Mm -hmm. And he goes, it's called religion. It's mm -hmm. <laughs> not, not faith. And I couldn't agree with you more. You mm -hmm. ready to get started? I go, absolutely. So he handed me a Bible. He goes, have you read this book? And I go, I tried. I just didn't understand it. Mm -hmm. And he goes, oh, do you like history? I go, I love history. It's my favorite thing. It's history. I love history. I love everything about history. And he goes, well, this is a book of history. But not necessarily do I want you to focus on the characters in this book. I want you to truly start to understand how God interacted with them. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I can do that. I can totally do that. He goes, and then we're going to start talking about Jesus because yeah. that's, that's what you really need to understand. Yeah. And so the first six weeks of church were the, the, <laughs> a true breakdown study of the prodigal son. How ironic wow. is that? And I just fell in love with the church, our church community, our church, our church family, our, our, you know, at Tracy and, you know, we just celebrate going and, and just worshiping and learning and growing and, and Ken and his wife, Nancy became like parents to us. And um, when Tracy and I got engaged, they threw our engagement party and Ken sat in a waiting room in a hospital for 13 hours waiting for my first son to be born. He officiated our wedding nine months yeah. and two days before that day. <laughs> and, um, and all of it, you know, it just, and then when Aiden was born, I realized that I really needed to, to, to like put that stake in the ground mm -hmm. and just like, just do it. Mm -hmm. So Ken baptized me. Aiden was just a baby. Tracy and I had really grown together in faith and I got done with the baptism and I was sitting in my car. I was headed back to the house to watch football. It was a Sunday and uh, she was going out with her best friend and Aiden to have lunch. And she just said, um, 
how do you how do you feel you know it's like it was almost like something had changed yes. like there was a shift like in everything about the way i was i was it, it somehow shifted and and she just goes how do you feel and i just i just thought about it for a second i looked at her and i go lighter because yeah. all that junk yeah all that all the things that i did to separate myself from god and jesus that i've been carrying around on a big big huge bag over my it's just heavy it's yeah. just heavy we are out of time for tonight but be sure to tune in tomorrow for the powerful conclusion of our conversation with scott hamilton you've been listening to abiding in christ if you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE, or contact us on the web at wvr.org.